0: Welcome to Uphill Conversations, your ride-along partners for your emerging future. Everything in life worth having is uphill. You can't go uphill with downhill habits. It's time for another show with your hosts Tim Piccaro and Megan Finner. Are you ready to be inspired? Welcome to
1: Uphill Conversations. I'm your host, Megan. And I'm Tim. And we are so glad you can join us as you are living your life and headed toward your emerging future. Hopefully, you are eliminating any downhill habits and canceling out all agreements with limiting beliefs. And yes, it is true. You can be more, do more, and have more. So, Tim, this is episode 64.
0: It is 64 all day.
1: That's awesome.
0: It is awesome. You've been working hard.
1: <laughs> I have been working yeah. hard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've been watching you work hard. I've been I've been working hard, watching hard, you it's working a, working hard. It's exhausting, for, isn't it? It is. I mean, like, well, first of all, like I can't <laughs> see you. You move so quick. Like. <laughs> Like that's where you were trying to
1: keep, it's like trying to keep up with my dad. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it is. Like you just literally, you're like, you're gone and then you're here again. Like, I don't even know. Like, I think I'm talking to you. You're somewhere else. And then you're back. Yeah. Just when I say, where'd she go? You're there.
1: The problem is I'm so heavy footed when I walk. Like you would always, I could never like sneak away. Like, yeah, we were on the phone the
0: other day talking and I, well, no, today actually. (laughs) And I was talking about footfalls and you were like, heavy walking. Yeah, but it's just because you're 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 a purposeful walker.
1: Yeah, well, I'm a small person, and I'm determined to get somewhere. You
0: are small.
1: <laughs> <And> so <laughs> who
0: claims to be five foot one and a half?
1: That's how tall I am.
0: No, the half doesn't even count. I'm
1: actually five foot are, one and three quarters. Are you? Yeah. I'll oh, ta- now gonna, you're closer gonna to the... it. I'm going to take a picture. I'm going to take a picture of our measurement thing. No, you, I'm going to post it. I'm going to post it for everyone to see.
0: Well, you doubted I was five ten. <laughs> I would be six feet if I wasn't bow legged. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, um, you know, hey, I just want to let everybody know I had a great time at Notre Dame University, got to watch Notre Dame, um, you know, put uh, put the uh, game on the North Carolina (laughs) State Wolfpack, which was amazing. Yeah. And I did get to see your dad up there Mm -hmm. and your dad was so gracious and kind. So shout out to Tom, who listens to our podcast. He does. And Christine. They are two wonderful people. Uh, made myself and my boys feel like just amazing. They treated us with incredible hospitality. And, um, you know, there are, I'm sure, a lot of people in the world like them. But um, you don't get to meet them all the time. Mm -hmm. And they are just go-getters, just kind, loaded with lots of information. (laughs) 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 And I honestly see where you get your spit spot. Because his new nickname to me is Tom Spit Spot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what, what show was that was that mary poppins or spit spot which think one so. was it I think one it was of those because that's what he's just rocking yeah he's just and he well they goes. have a
1: plan don't mess with the plan oh, i think yeah, i think he has if plans. you've learned anything from where i get my planning from it's from them
0: yes and so <laughs> you have grace for me because of that but it was an amazing time it was um you know one of those Um, you know, when you put your dream to the test, like one of the things that we like to help people with is their dreams. Mm -hmm. And that was my dream to go to school there. And I didn't, I am the best athlete they never had Mm -hmm. and I should have been there, Mm -hmm. but I didn't. But it was so cool that, you know, you know, years and years later, there I am on that campus and Mm -hmm. it was still part of my dream. So now it marks a memory, you know, as a older gentleman now, Mm -hmm. I have that memory that even though I didn't go, just being there and then the just the history that I just got from Tom was just awesome. I mean, he just filled me. I mean, I I think literally if I would asked him about how they grow the grass, (laughs) he would have I think he had an answer. He
1: would have been like, okay, so it's hundred and forty five years since the college was founded. Let's go back to the beginning. One
0: seventy five.
1: Oh, you're off. 75. The
0: school is 175 oh, years right. old. And you're a graduate and I know this. I'm sorry. See? I'm taking your degree. I
1: should have I was thinking about the necklace, but you're right. It is 100.
0: Your degree belongs to me now. I'm going to take a Sharpie <laughs> I'm going to scribble your name out. You
1: can't. You're. He's eyeing it right now. He's looking at I my am, degree. I I can see it. He's looking at my sheepskin. He's it's, trying m- to mine. take it.
0: <laughs> it's 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 going to be mine. So, yeah, but it was great. Awesome. W- and and while I was gone, what did you do? Oh, you watched it on TV? I did. Okay, I'm just kidding, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was awesome, and I'm so appreciative for uh, for all the ways that I was able to get there, and the people that were involved, and it was just very kind, and uh, probably one of the you know it's a monumental part of my life and moment in my life, and Yay. I'll and I'll never ever forget it. Cool.
1: Yay. Um.
0: Wait, I have a question.
1: Oh, dang!
0: I'm gonna throw I was this gonna at sneak you. It by. No, there's no sneaking. Okay. So, I'm ready for it. so are you ready for this? I hope you are. Mm-hmm. So what would the world be like if it was filled with male and female copies of you? <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear what this world would be like. Oh my
1: gosh.
0: <laughs> no, and there's no, there's no uh, out, no qualifiers, <laughs> nothing. You have to answer the question.
1: Um, <laughs> it would be super fun, fast paced highly stressful (laughs) (laughs) um people would people would be on time they would like to talk about their feelings um (laughs) people would get a lot done that's what would happen this world would be rocking
0: it'd just be rocking yeah just get stuff done it
1: would be be Until, like, done. Except what would have to happen is like everyone it would be like crazy. Everyone's on schedule. We're getting things done. We're doing tasks, whatever. But then you'd have to allow like two weeks of a break for
0: like just a break for yeah, recovery. For recovery. The world would need to the recover. The world would
1: need to shut down so, every now and So again. basically
0: there would be a worldwide two week shutdown.
1: Yeah. At least once a year. Now
0: that's a good idea. Because <laughs> you know in Europe they have like a month. Oh, yeah. vac- they they take yeah, a month, they summer. just they're just shutting down. Yeah. What if the whole world did that? Yeah. So you would do that. So would it be one time a year, two weeks, or would it be like every what quarter?
1: I think like every six months there would like everyone, you know, would work hard, but then there would be a shutdown every six months. Everyone would just be like, Okay, stop working, have fun, relax your brain, you know.
0: And then come back and tax it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you for your answer. Yeah. That's-
1: I mean, people would yeah. I I yeah, it would be I don't think that would be a
0: great place to live.
1: <laughs> I mean, it would be really awesome um for I guess for me because I'd be surrounded by me. I tell so, you
0: what, everybody's step counters would be off the charts.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: because it would be like Fitbit would blow up. <laughs> Apple Watch, it would be Everybody like,
1: would have a Garmin, they'd be checking their heart rate. Yeah, the be, heart rate, everything. I mean there could be like a salad. <laughs> okay, like we're not, okay.
0: We're okay. We're salads are not coming into this picture. So, hey, we have a great guest, Matthew Rollins.
1: Yeah, Matthew Rollins. He and his dad started Anchor Bat Company in 2012. So, they've been around for uh five years now, and uh, it was really just neat to talk to him and hear the journey of how he got from uh. Growing up as a baseball player, thinking, you know, that would be uh, his life and how he made some shifts and went a couple different directions, challenged his own thinking and really ended up back doing something different in the game that he loves.
0: And the way that he learned about it was what that what was it that he said that baseball told him mm-hmm. it was time. Mm-hmm. It was one of those things that he didn't listen, but he listened to baseball. It's like, yeah. you're done. Yeah. And he listened to it, but he didn't crumble underneath that. Because yeah. I know it's tough sometimes when that's all you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes people don't know what to do after that. But he was able to make a marriage out of what he loved mm-hmm. and then still see a fulfillment of it and by learning new things and bringing it out into a world where, um, and it pretty much he's looking at the bigs. You know, these yeah. are big players and in the interview you'll hear like how his bat showed up you know mm-hmm. from a home run with a base where the bat didn't break um and then also um his bat will show up at the sundance film festival with a great um director and actor who is celebrated who's been act, you know i think 30 40 plus years um and the only reason i'm not mentioning their name is because i don't know that we have the liberty to do so but uh, but yeah it's collector's item bat um and little hint here the person was actually in a movie that was about baseball that's cool which is kind of cool so uh but yeah he was a great guest and we learned a lot from him
1: Yeah, we did. So we know that you're going to really enjoy the show. Please remember to go to iTunes or Stitcher, rate and review the show. Please share it with your friends. You can also connect with uh, me and Tim on Twitter at Uphill Convo. You can find us on Facebook, Uphill Conversations, and you can always find us on our website, UphillConversations.co.
0: So without any further delay, let's jump into this interview with Mr. Matthew Rollins. Matthew, welcome to the show. Uh, we're so glad to have you. I got to meet you um, at uh, an awards uh, kind of thing with the SBDC, which was really cool. I loved your story. I loved your product. I used to play baseball when I was younger. I broke my hip, believe it or not. I was a third baseman. I dove. I caught the ball. It was the final out in a Tri County thing, like a tournament. And I landed on the corner and it. It put a nickel chip and sent a crack right through my hip. And I was 13 years old, and maybe I peed on myself because I couldn't feel anything. (laughs) Man, that's crazy. So, yeah. So, when I saw your bats, I was like, man, this is great. And obviously, they're, you know, wooden bats. You Mm -hmm. know, when I was little, we played, you know, obviously it's aluminum all the way up to a certain level. But, man, those bats were just gorgeous. So, Let's just jump right in and just talk about, you know, who you are and these bats. Like, what got you into that? So, a little bit about you and how these bats showed up in your world.
2: Well, you know, I grew up around the game of baseball, played it my whole life. Honestly, my identity was in baseball. Um, Anytime people saw, you know, me at a family function, if they've seen me, you know, in six weeks, six months, or six years, first thing you're going to do is say, how's baseball going? You know, where are you at right now? Where are you playing? Um, what position do you play? What I mean, there's just so many questions that people ask that um, you start thinking of yourself as like that's the only thing I'm kind of worth as a is a baseball player and as an athlete. So um, I went to North Greenville University here in South Carolina, Greenville, South Carolina, and played there for four four years and moved on and played a little bit of minor league baseball. And when the game, um, when the game told me that it was time to stop playing, I didn't take it very well. And meaning, you know, whether you're Derek Jeter at 42 years old or whether you're Matthew Rollins at 23 years old, at some point the game's going to say it's enough. Yeah, you're done. And usually you don't take it very well, no matter if you've had, you know, a Hall of Fame career or one that's just filled with, you know, bitterness and resentment because you didn't make it. But nonetheless, it's not an easy pill to swallow because that's what you're known as. You're known as a baseball player. So for me, um, there was a lot of soul searching to figure out like what the heck is next in life for me and you know how can I how can I still be around the game if that's even something that you know is in the cards for me and is kind of in my path or um, if it's not, then what am I gonna do? I didn't have a game plan in college at all. It was literally just to play baseball. I took the professor's classes that were, the easiest that I could kind of skate through and get by because all I dreamt of doing was playing baseball. And my degree is kind of contingent on that. I majored in Spanish and English because (laughs) I had a Spanish teacher that I really liked and I had an English professor that I really liked. And when it was all said and done, I kind of left with a double major and I was like, how the heck did I just do that? (laughs) I never even declared a major and somehow kind of got through it you know, and having a double major. So, you know, with with all of that going on, it was still um, still just really tough to figure out, like, what I was going to do in life. So I started sitting down with people that I respected, started reading. I'd really never read, which is kind of sad go through college and not have read and started reading once you got out of college. But, you know, people started introducing me to books and, you know, books that kind of pushed myself a little bit to, to think outside of the box. Um, I, I knew I didn't want to really work like a corporate style job, I had this thing within me. I didn't know what it was. I now believe it's a uh, like an entrepreneurial spirit. But at the time, I just thought it was lack of focus on what was in front of me, <laughs> and um, you know, which can be good and, and definitely can be bad. But but you know, with all of that going on, we started to kind of narrow it down with the help of others. Of you know, what is it that you're passionate about in life? What skill sets do you have? You know, what would you like to see for you and your family, short and long-term? Um, and to be honest with you, baseball bats were still not in the equation at all. And I knew I wanted to be around sports in general, and I had the unique opportunity work to work for a guy. I worked for several gentlemen, actually. Um, someone came to me and said, hey, John Smoltz is starting this business. It's barely off the ground. It's been going on for a few months. In essence, you're going to be one of the first full-time hires. I didn't hear anything else. I just heard John Smoltz. And thought, oh, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> legend. John Smoltz. So Smoltz, he was part of it. Another guy, Darren Holmes, pitcher, pitched in the big leagues for like 15 years. He's now a um, he's now a big league coach with the Colorado Rockies and has been for the past, I think, three seasons now. And um, a couple other physicians and players. And it was just this unique group of guys. But – Honestly, it was because of homes and smolts that I really said, okay, I don't even know what the job entails, but I want to do this. It was a startup business. It was a small business. It was one where, you know, wearing multiple hats was necessary. And it started to grow me and kind of cultivate me into to being able to do, you know, multiple things and see how startup businesses see about, you know, raising capital and just, things that you don't get taught in school necessarily, whether you're a business degree or Spanish major, I guess. Um, and it, it just intrigued me. And it was things that kind of started pushing buttons. And the company that I was a part of, after seven years, we got acquired by another company. And at that point knew, okay, hey, I'm not going in that direction, so what is next? Same thing, sat down with some mentors, sat, sat down with some people that I you know, valued and trusted in life. And at that point... The, the bats kind of came into the picture. And they had been there for 10 years. They had been there before my playing days were over. And it was something that my dad had made for me when I was in high school. And I did not want to use a bat that my dad had made. Yeah, to be honest, it was just completely prideful and, and you know stupidity on my behalf. But I was like, if my dad made it, it can't be that good. <laughs> and you know, my buddies at the same time were like, we want to swing the bat that your dad's making. And they did. You know, I swung some, but, I mean, when, when quote, I'm swinging in a game, it was not going to be with my father's bat. And But he always was like, you know, I think I can do it. Like, I think I can do it well. And I was like, man, that's awesome. You know, I don't know how to start a business. I mean, I'm in college and high school when this starts going on, and that was kind of it. And, we, you know, we spoke about it throughout the year, every year throughout 10 years of, you know, working for other people and doing other things. And, um, you know, when my career ended, or however you want to view it, when we separated ways to after the company was bought out that I was a part of, um, at that point it was like, okay, I think I'm going to go down one of two paths. One path is going to be being like a runner for an agent um, in the game of baseball, and the other is start this wood bat company. You know, we don't have much money. Um, We've never started our own business. Or I can go work for a very successful sports agent who has some of the biggest names in baseball and to a degree be a babysitter for these guys, um, which I didn't necessarily want to do. Um, My wife and I were invited up to, it's called Winter Meetings. It's in a different city every year. And it's just this big, you know, kind of collaboration of all the games' biggest, you know, from a media perspective to an agent perspective to the general managers, owners, just kind of everybody collects in a convention or a hotel over a four or five day period. And that particular year, um, I was with an agent who had invited me and my wife up to sit in on some meetings to see if we could, quote, handle the environment that we could handle being around some of these people and not get you know kind of starstruck exactly Mm -hmm. exactly Ooh, look. (laughs) and i'm not going to admit you know one of the first things that we had that i was a part of it was me this agent um another gentleman and nolan ron oh yeah i was like like, nolan shoot (laughs) nolan hold on a second
0: i just so happen to have a sharpie (laughs) yeah exactly exactly (laughs) so i mean in
2: in that moment i was like oh my god Gosh, that's Nolan Ryan literally across the table from me right now. But I have to act like it's no Mm -hmm. big deal. It didn't bother you. But, you know, even in the the coolness of kind of the things that took place that, you know, over that three or four days, um, it was in Nashville, Tennessee that year. And my wife, Delecta, and I were driving back home and didn't say much probably over the first 45 minutes to an hour on the way home. And then we both just kind of at the same time said, man it's the most money we would have ever been you know as a couple that we you know i would have ever made um the experience would be one that's unparalleled you know in a a lot of industries and careers um but we felt like the path of starting a back company was the one we needed to go down i wanted to work with my dad um he and i are different enough but similar enough to where I knew that, you know, the chances of us being able to work together and feed off of each other and, you know, kind of stay out of each other's hair and get what needs to be done, uh, we could do all of that and still, you know, still have a great relationship, and he and my mom has sacrificed so much. I'm the only child, and, you know, some people are like, oh, you're one of those, and you know, but at the same time, you know, I tried to always be gracious for what my parents had, had done for me and sacrificed for me. And, you know, you don't really fully understand it until you have a child of your own. And then I started realizing, like, man, we didn't have that much money when I was growing up, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And to see the sacrifice that they did to give me the potential opportunity to fulfill a dream of mine, you um, know, I was just like, man. So my dad worked, um, you know, pretty tough industry just in construction and at that point I was like you know what he's given so much and he deserves better than what he has right now in terms of the way he's valued and treated and he has an exceptional trait so you know I have learned a little bit over the last seven or eight years of being a part of startups and you know the failures and successes that that come along with it and you know I don't know much but I think we can do this thing and we knew you know that was a very long chase to get to the point of of kind of what you alluded to earlier about our bats looking a certain way we knew all along that we didn't want to just make a quality product we wanted to make one that was something that people would be proud to have that aesthetically mm-hmm. was appealing That had a ton of intentionality behind it from a branding perspective, from a service perspective, from just literally every touch of what it was we were doing. We wanted it to be to where when someone received one of our bats or someone was swinging one of our bats, that they could feel like they were, quote, like a part of our team. And they could also have something that had that kind of purist look to it and classic look. Um, But, you know, if a CEO wants to hang it you know, in his office. He yeah. kind of has that look too. So yeah. it can go both ways.
0: Well, and I love that because you're giving the story, you're giving the history, and that bat, it is, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like when I saw that bat, I was like, Where was that bat when I played? <laughs> you know, and obviously it was, you know, it was wooden. And I've asked you about aluminum and stuff like that, but yeah, in our you know, other conversations that we've had. But I I was like, that is a gorgeous bat, you know. And um, I guess for me, like two things, like number one, the name, Anchor, if maybe you could tell us about that. And I know Megan's got, she's got, I could see her taking notes. So we've got some questions here, but mm-hmm. what about Anchor? Where'd it come from? And then quality, but also Not just function, but just, you know, even building and going against, um, you know, because there's a mindset. Louisville Slugger has been around forever. This is me mentioning this, not you. I know it's what you have to do, but like there are a lot of other, you know, competitors that are Mm -hmm. out there. You're bringing in something that, you know, comes from... You know, your dad has this construction background, this understanding, you played the game, and entering into a space that most people will probably wouldn't even step into.
2: You know, it's, it's not like an official saying that we have as a company or anything, but we do kind of have this saying that says, you know, we'll make a bat for anyone, but we're not for everyone. And... That just means that yeah, there's certain people that want to swing a bat that they see on TV night in and night out, that they see you know on every store that they walk in, and, and that's fine, that's awesome, you know, that's a, a very historic brands, and there's several you know companies that kind of fit that mold, um, but for us, we wanted it to be something that yeah, not necessarily was like fully exclusive or scarcity driven, but that definitely kind of had that vibe to it, and you know, even getting back to the intentionality of a name, you know, we did what every Every person is supposed to do. Um, We hired a consultant to help us come up with a name and kind of told them, hey, this is what we're looking for. We're looking for a logo that someone can see on television, hopefully one day, and they can Google that logo to find out what our name is, which is pretty, you know, it's pretty tough to come up with. Yeah. And, you know, there were certain things, you know, we didn't want to be something that was overly cheesy in a name. We didn't want to be something that, that kind of had our names involved with it. And, you know, we are people of faith, and we wanted something that could incorporate our faith in, into the name um, in some capacity. And with the same token, we didn't want to be—we uh, didn't want to use our name as a crutch, like, you know— we didn't want it to be called the Jesus Christ bat company and people be like, Oh yeah. man, you know, there's, that's a Christian bat right there. You know, yeah. we didn't, we did not want to I do that. I can't use this unless I'm saved. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we didn't want to fit that mold. Right. Um, but we did want, you know, to incorporate in some way and man, the names that, and this was, you know, some people that we thought, Oh, this, this is going to be simple, man. It was a tough journey. My wife is from South Georgia. We, we, for six weeks, like we're not South happy. Georgia. When you say like,
0: South Georgia, like Valdosta, Tifton, Tifton. Albany.
2: Yep, Tifton. Okay, she is a Tifton Listen. girl, <laughs> and um, yeah, I know all about Tifton. All right, well, she's there's not much to know, but she's straight Tift County. from that's it, <laughs> Tift County, baby. But she, um we were on the way down to visit her mother, and I told her, I said, Delecta, you know, we're gonna come up with a name before we get out of the car. And wow. she was like, you know, I'm not sure. You know, we've been trying for like six weeks to come up with a name mm-hmm. with professional help, and I don't know. And I said, well, we're just going to do it. And, you know, we've been dragging this out long enough, and it's time to come up with a name. Just do it. Let's just do it. And so, you know, we just started coming up with names, driving down the road, and then kind of got desperate. So when you get desperate, you open up the Bible, or at least that's what we did. And I was like, just start reading some verses. And anything that sounds like it could be, like Cornerstone was one. I was like, you know, how could we do a logo? We can't, really. Um, And then this, you know, this verse that had anchor incorporated in it, I was like, anchor bat. Maybe. And around Macon, Georgia, which is like three and a half hours into the trip. Yeah. So (laughs) about three and a half hours into the trip, I was like, you know, I'm I'm really like I'm kind of digging anchor. And like there's a lot of directions we can go with it. Um, I think it could be I think it could be it. And we kind of went back and forth with some other things and then about Perry, Georgia, which is another like 30 yep. minutes maybe. <laughs> yeah. We I, I think to let, to text texted my dad and said, Hey, what do you think about anchor bat? And he just gave one of them like thumbs up emojis or whatever. <laughs> and we were like, All right, it's anchor. And at that point, we just kind of stuck with it, went with it, and thought, you know, whether you're in South Korea or whether you're in, you know, South Georgia and anywhere in between, someone could see an anchor and they know what it is. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's kind of an international um, symbol. So we went with that name. Started working with a um, an incredible designer here in town in Greenville, and just shared kind of our passion, our story, our short and long term vision of where it was that, you know, we, the direction we were looking to go from a, quote, quality perspective from just a, you know, overall vision perspective of, you know, who we want to be as a company. And he was like, man, I'm, I'm in, like, let's, let's do this thing. And uh, he and I went back and forth for probably, I don't know, a dozen changes or so. And we kind of stuck with the logo and he's been on board ever since. And he's actually part of the company now. And, um, so, you know, it's just, it's been one of those things to where uh, we did it the way that the world tells you you're supposed to do it and hiring people in and bringing people. But at the end of the day, it was just something that you it was already it what you. you want. Mm-hmm. It was, it was like it a was, divine it was, type thing. Yeah, that but it was happened. inside of you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: And that, and I'm wondering if that even gave you the confidence just to step into a playing field that, like you said, you didn't want a bat that, you know, was for everyone. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But you wanted one. That anyone, you know, what I'm saying? I, I I can't remember, what was the way you said it? Yeah, it we'll like, make
2: a bat for anyone, but not for, for everyone. Everyone, mm-hmm. right. So yeah.
0: the way you put it, I love that. That's like, that's powerful. And then when you have the anchor, you know, so that's like, it's like really strong.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think for me, I just keep, uh, of course, in my head playing uh, the life of Jerry Maguire. That's in, in in the thing when you're talking about the story of being there with all these people, these sports agents. And I'm sure that a lot of that is an exaggeration, but I'm sure just like anything else, there's probably some truth to it. So... I think that's a really interesting situation to be faced with as a fairly young professional. So here you have this opportunity where you could, you know it's there. You could go out and you could do something that, like you said, would be very challenging, incredibly rewarding. It would probably be validating in some ways. And I mean, it'd probably be great for the ego to be able to go out there and say, oh yeah, this is what I do. These are the people I work with. And instead, you make this choice to go, instead of going with the ego, you follow your heart and you kind of follow the dream. And you say, no, I'm going to, I've been talking with my dad about this thing for a while. I'm going to go back and I'm going to go after this thing. And not only am I going to go after this thing with my dad, I'm going to go, I'm going to get into a very significant underdog position and try to get into an industry with very strong players. So to me, I mean, that just seems like it would take a lot of bravery. And I'm just curious as you were deliberating, and obviously there's there's a lot of reasons not to go with the Jerry Maguire lifestyle, right? Depending on just personal goals and things like that. But how did that feel, sort of saying, okay, I'm not gonna take on this huge challenge, but I'm gonna come over here and I'm gonna I'm gonna face a different type of challenge. And, and when you decided to really turn it into a business, what was kind of that big obstacle or that big, what was the big fear or obstacle that you had to overcome?
2: You know, that's, that's a great question. And honestly, there's like several components of it. Money is a huge one. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the sacrifice. Um, had I known how difficult of a financial sacrifice it was going to be, for myself for my family um and to be honest i don't know if i would do it again like it was it's been that hard still is that hard Uh, my wife has uh, basically said all of the things of the world i'm cool with them going to the wayside for however long it takes to make this happen we've sold like we had two vehicles we sold them both my parents let us borrow a vehicle to which you know, three years later, we're st- we're still driving, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we live on a monthly budget that's it's honestly well below the poverty level, and all of that's not to say, oh, you know, poor pitiful them, you know, it's it, I wish them nothing but best. I mean, we chose this path. It's a path that we chose. We knew it was going to be difficult. Um, we didn't maybe know it was going to be as difficult as it's been, but we definitely knew it was going to be difficult, and from that. Would I do it differently? It's a good thing that we don't have to do it differently, like you know because <laughs> yeah. I don't know and but would I change anything? No, so I know that's kind of an oxymoron, but we but literally I wouldn't have changed anything from the perspective that it's it's given us resilience is given us the. Uh, the mindset and the desire to be okay with being told no to be you know talking about the agent lifestyle now I'm kind of on this other spectrum to where you know agents are calling me saying hey how much money are you going to give us to introduce you to our client list I'm not going to give you anything like that's our response yeah I have a product mm-hmm. right. <laughs> yeah. yeah like Here, last last this. I checked the yeah. players have to swing it in a game so yeah. I'm not asking them to wear a watch like, yeah mm-hmm. Either they swing our bat or they swing another bat. Yeah, I'm not don't, you don't tattoo
0: my name on your arm. And, <laughs> yeah. And
2: so there is a lot of undercutting. There is a lot of money, um, this exchange to get deals done. And, you know, honestly, we just don't have the ability to even fight that fight. So that's where a lot of, you know, hey, we're going to invite this dozen, you know, these dozen players to be a part of what we are. And, and what we're doing in the direction we're going, and if we have two that bite, that's amazing. And because it was a very rifle approach of the two that you know us getting two of the top twelve guys in the game to mm-hmm. you know to a large degree. So um, there has been uh, an, an incredible battle, but it's one that we, we feel like is beginning to to pay dividends. Um, we are seeing light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know we're almost to that point, and where we're going to start making some money, um, Mm -hmm. which is a, you know, for for every small business and startup, it's, you know, it's a dream come true when you're like, man, we're so close now. Um, And, you know, we're being recognized as a top company in the game. And that's something that's even more rewarding is when, you know, when the other companies start to spend more time talking about why players should not swing our product – we view that as a compliment because they're spending their time, energy, and resources trying to stop us from gaining any more momentum. And, you know, our I don't know if they don't realize this or not, but our goal was not to come in and, you know, disrupt the market in this grand way. Our goal was to come in and fly under the radar and do a really good job from a quality and a client services perspective and a branding perspective and, and have a small niche of, you know, people that we service and hopefully we service, you know, really well. You wouldn't change anything because you own your decision. You're owning that.
0: What does that What is that like for you, Matthew? When you look at your friends, maybe some people that think you're crazy. I've been oh, yeah. listen. I tell people I'm more insane than crazy. Yeah, you know, and I'm not making fun of mental health, but no, I really, literally, people go, dude, why are you doing that? Like, I've been offered so many things to go. You know, I could fly back and forth to New York and, and to do other things rather than what i do and keep going because i believe in something right no what is that separate what's that separation for you what is that thing that keeps you from just going into just what everyone else says you should do to have this certain quality of life or the quality of life that you're building where i feel like you're getting these intangibles that most people lack in their real life you're saying like what you you got agreement with your wife you've got agreement with your dad, like you're working on these things. You've got a belief. You've got all of these
2: things. Is it worth it to you? Absolutely. And for us, I think at this point, day one, maybe not so much, but right now, over the past, maybe even like 18 months or so, we've begun to view it more as a calling. Like we feel like, man, we were designed to do this. It's this awesome. Is, this is a path that although it'd be very difficult, um, it's one that we feel like we're called to do. And, um, you know, once, once you—not that it makes it any easier, and, you know, I'm not going to lie, there's more nights than not that I lay there, can't sleep, and say, good night. You know, is this—are <laughs> you sure? Like, yeah. are you sure? And, you know, people are like, on the outside looking in, just— Oh man, it's such a cool thing, you know, all of this kind of stuff, but they have no idea the actual fight that's taking place. Right. And you know, there's there's been many times we've been, you know, we've been approached a couple times already, which blows my mind of of other companies wanting to buy us out. And I'm like, you don't even like. We're, we're not really even worth anything. Like, why would you right. want to buy us? And you know, but their perspective is like, listen, you're disrupting our market, so we just want you to be gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I'm, you know, with me and my dad both, we're like, we haven't worked and sacrificed the way that we've had to for the company just to go away. Right. And so for us, you know, we're viewing it as an, you know, in a, like an incredible calling that, that we feel like God has given us. We feel like. Um, we're on to something, not that we said, you know what, we want to be great. You know, Matthew and Eddie Rollins want to be great. Nothing like that. But we did say we want to build a product. We want to build a company. We want to build a culture. We want to create an environment to where uh, the world can kind of buy into it. And we kind of felt like we're Rudy. And yeah, you know, people. I was just there. People. <laughs> people i feel like in life there's certain people that don't like the rudy story and if they they don't like it they're probably not one of my friends and, <laughs> you know like i love the grit of rudy I now did. whether the story was truly like it was you know portrayed in, in spirit the movie, it was know, in but, spirit it was accurate but i'm gonna say like that i, f- I feel like rudy like i mm-hmm. can resonate with him and awesome. um, we're kind of this underdog that people view as you know tom is going to push them out of the way and we just keep knocking we keep fighting we keep going we keep rolling with the punches we keep you know pushing um and you know we have there's been some friends of ours that we've kind of just kind of lost because they're like man you're crazy like what <laughs> but are you isn't doing? that what it's about I got right isn't yeah, it about absolutely. that it's like
0: it's like how did some of the other things that you're going against like that are out there that have the world dominance I mean okay let's just go to apple right everybody right. knows apple but they had to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Everybody starts somewhere. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's weird that when it, you know, when it gets in proximity of our own lives, we look at people and go, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's like, well, and not that you're in you don't even want to be at that level of Apple. What right. you're saying is, is we want to get in and we wanna offer Basically, it's like we're all doing barbecue. This is our flavor. Right. This is our recipe. You're right. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But not everybody's gonna show up with their grill and actually start cooking. You're doing that, but everybody started cooking.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're right.
1: And it's it's funny. So I, I actually uh, am a Notre Dame grad, and so is my dad. So um, grew up obviously Rudy. very familiar with the with the Rudy uh, story. Actually heard him speak um, at a pep rally when I was in school there. Nice. But. Just listening to you talk about the time with your dad, and I'm literally sitting here thinking, I wonder what it would be like to work with my dad. Um, <laughs> and, and so I'm, it really makes me wonder. I mean, you said you, you have some similarities, but you're, you also have some pretty significant differences. So what have been the biggest challenges and also the greatest rewards of working with your dad?
2: You know, honestly, I would say the challenges have been um, have been more so of just seeing, like, the sacrifice that he and my mom have made. So, you know, I was kind of like, the whole point of doing this was to, so they didn't have to make more sacrifices, and now, good night, they're having to create even more sacrifices than mm-hmm. they did when we were, you know, when I was growing up. So, I would say from a challenging perspective, it's been frustrating to see it take longer than hope, you know, than I had hoped, and kind of... Um, you know, just personally had intended it, you know, it to take. Um, And then from a reward perspective, man, there's so many. Um, Just from like the first guy that hit a home run with us in the bigs to Delecta and I and actually our little girl, Marley Claire, we just so happened to be at the game where our first bat was used to our knowledge in a Major League Baseball game. Mm -hmm. And it was by – the guy who had won the National League MVP the year prior. So Mm. it was like literally one of the biggest, if not the biggest, arguably, name in baseball was the first guy to use us in a game. And we were there. And, I mean, the people that were sitting, we had good seats, and we were sitting. I I didn't know this guy. I didn't know his agent. There was no money exchanged. There was nothing that took place to where we were guaranteed of him using our product. And, honestly, we didn't even know if he would like it or not. And – we're sitting ten or twelve rows back on the visiting side of the you know the field, uh, right, pretty much right behind the dugout. And his first at bat, he came up and he wasn't using us. And we, you know, I, I, I mean, he literally had received the bats that day. And typically, guys don't come out the day they receive something and use it in a game. It's just, um, it's just not something that's common. And his second at bat, as soon as he walked out of the dugout, I mean, my hands started shaking. I started sweating like crazy, <laughs> and I'm not one to sweat. My wife was crying. My little girl was just clapping her hands. She didn't really know what was going on, but she saw the emotion that was taking place, you know, between delect and myself. And I was like, "Film it. Get it. You know, get a picture. Get something." And she's like, "I can't. My hands are shaking so much." And, <laughs> you know, and I, I was never the guy to get nervous ever, ever playing in a game. I mean, like the the good nerves, like a butterfly right. nerve, but not like uncontrollable. I can't quit shaking nerves and You know, here I was just literally praying, God, please don't let him break this bat, his first swing, and he ended up hitting one like I don't know, 375 to left center, and kind of, kind of at the warning track, and I was just like, oh man, thank God he didn't break it, Um, (laughs) because that was, that was definitely not how we would want our first swing to be. But you know, calling my dad and saying, hey. He just used it mm-hmm. and, you know, feeling the excitement that took place with that, seeing, you know, seeing our first home runs hit on TV and watching us on. You know, we had one of the guys and he was on USA Today's like front page of the sports with our logo perfectly in the background. And, you know, just things like that. It's like man, it feels kind of good. It yeah. feels good. Yeah. It's Heck like, yeah, hey, it feels hey, good.
0: hey, I did that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, hey, dad. Yeah, what...
2: absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, just those type of experiences and we've done things that on the flip side we had this just to us is definitely a horrific story because it hits home from an age perspective but a a little girl that my daughter was in school with um, she passed away a year ago almost a date of cancer and you know just our family was like man we don't like what do we even do how do we how do we show them support um, what can we do so we started coming up with some special, like, limited edition T-shirts, and we had professionals buying them, and it was, you know, it was cool to see people rally behind and, you know, came up with not an overly substantial monetary gift, but enough to hopefully, um, you know, have created a little bit of um, ability for them to do something with it. And the father came up to the shop the other day, and they had found... um, where she wasn't writing in cursive at the time, she was in second grade, but she had written her name out, and they were like, "Can you take this signature and put it on the bat, like this limited bat that we had made? Like we used twenty-four karat gold inserted in with the paint that we were using, and everything It was like five hundred dollars a gallon for this stuff, but mm-hmm. we wanted to do it right, and we sold, you know, I don't remember the exact number, but fifty to hundred bats across, you know, across America, um, kind of commemorating her life." And he came back, and he had the signature, and we did it, sent it to our um, designer, and he fixed it. We went back on and engraved it. And he was like, um, the people haven't seen this bat yet. And he was like, what's the most valuable bat that you guys have ever sold? I'm like, well, you know, we don't really sell collector-type bats. Right. Um, these are more for, you know, for use purposes. So we've never auctioned them off and went really crazy with it. And he was like, well— you know, to date now you can say that, you know, you've sold a bat worth twenty five thousand dollars because there's an adoption group in the I think it's in the northeast somewhere, and they used one of Scala's bats and sold it at auction and it basically adopted a child, yeah. the the amount of money that was raised from it. So, you know, even seeing those kind of things completely different than a major leaguer using it and from this just heartbreak story to where it was like, you know what? Um, the loss of one child, although they would probably never trade that. I know I wouldn't, but it gave the ability to a family in the Northeast to buy. It sounds horrible, but to use the money, yeah, to use the money to you know to be able to adopt a child. Mm-hmm. And even those, I mean, those type that was probably even a, I guess you would say a prouder moment than seeing somebody hit a home run using our bat.
1: So Matthew, uh, as you know, our show is called Uphill Conversations. So we believe that, uh, everything worth having in life is uphill, but you can't go uphill with downhill habits. So it would be great if you could share with us, uh, what is one uphill challenge that you've faced along the way and how did you continue to climb up that hill and overcome it? Or are you still climbing?
2: for sure. For sure. Still climbing. Um, I would think one of the things that society doesn't speak enough on is failure and you're going to fail like in life. You are going to fail It's you know, it's it's without question. And, but so often you feel like when you fail, it's just time to quit and move on to something else. So, you know, to have people, books, what, you know, surround yourself with people that can encourage you along the way, people that are like-minded, people that are, um, you know, people, People that can mentor you and say, "Hey, I've been exactly where you are. Keep pushing through. Keep going. Keep fighting." You know, if you're chasing a mirage, that's one thing. It's time to pack it up, move on to something else. Just because you're passionate about something doesn't mean it's the right, right thing to do and the right path to take. But if you truly do have opportunity and you truly do feel like it's your calling, and you know you're not chasing something that's never going to come to fruition, you know potentially. Um, just keep pushing and learn how to fail. That's been one of the biggest things for me: is to not take things personally, um, is to not let the emotion kick in too quickly to where when you fail, Sometimes I'm like, oh man, just forget it. I'm done with this. <laughs> and um, but you know, r- literally, kind of rationally think through and say, that's one person that told me no, mm-hmm. or even that's a hundred people that told me no. There's still. 25,000 more that are out there that fit the same mold of who it is that, you know, that we're talking to. So, you know, sometimes I just have to tell myself, quit, you know, qu- quit being stupid and just keep pushing.
0: What are three things that you're very optimistic about, personal or professional over the next
2: 12 months? That we're close, that we're going to be a game changer, and that the baseball world is going gonna, is gonna to know who we are very soon. Um, all three of those things are taking place as we speak, um, but we're just on the verge of, of blowing up. We're on the verge of um, doing some really incredible things. We, we think so. Introducing new products and doing it in a way that impacts and, and creates value and worth from other people. So we, we think we're really close.
1: Matthew, I know that people are going to want to learn more about uh, AnchorBat and um, about you. So it would be great if you could tell our listeners how they can connect with you and where they can find you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. From a social media perspective, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you can go to just AnchorBat Co, AnchorBat C-O, and that's all of our social media use. And then from a website, um, we are AnchorBatCo.com. So both social media, we try to stay very active and kind of let people know what's going on and, and where we are. We, you know, get out some newsletters that, that go out as well, you know, once a month or so. And, um, so yeah, we're out there. So this has been another episode of uphill conversations. Always remember you can
0: be more, do more and have more. Anything worth having is uphill, but you can't go uphill with downhill habits. And we hope that you will always remember that you will see me, Megan, and people like Matthew on the hill. You've been listening to Uphill Conversations. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to the show at UphillConversations.co. See you on the hill.